Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. So, funny enough, we're here to talk about hockey tonight, which I know is kind of crazy, um, considering, you know, what uh, everyone was watching last night and they're talking about today. Quite obviously, the uh, MLB Golden Glove Awards. So, yes. I know it's a big detraction from that and uh, uh, distracting you from that might be good, might be bad. You might think we're crazy for trying to shoehorn, you know, hockey talk in here, but um Steve Eiserman made it so, and that's what we're here for. No, we're here to make fun of you. Fun of me? Yeah. Why? Did you really think we were going to let it slip that you're an old piece of garbage now? I thought, oh, God damn it. <laughs> I, you think I actually, we were going to let that slide? <laughs> I that actually, you're older now? <laughs> I seriously thought you guys didn't know. I was so happy. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I remembered this morning and then completely forgot about it till like 10 minutes ago. Dude, that's okay. I was watching, like, obviously Mel and I were watching the elections last night. And when they were doing a countdown to uh, the next round of votes that were coming in, it was midnight. And she's like, look, it's a countdown to your birthday. I was like, what? No, it's a countdown. Oh, yeah. I forgot. (laughs) Is that the saddest birthday when you start to forget them? Oh yeah, uh, I actually. It's funny you mentioned that because literally last week, for the first time in my life, someone asked me how old I was, and I got it wrong. Oh yeah, I had to. I I said it. I'm like, I'm 32, and then I I thought, I'm like, oh no, I'm 33 now. The the sad birthday for me was when I stopped, you know, being excited about it, or like not excited, but I had some remorse about a birthday, and that was this year. I was like. I don't want I don't want any of this. Don't don't say happy birthday because I'm not happy. I'm very sad. Cuz this year was the big 3-0 for you, right? Yeah. Oh my god. And you're it what happened three- to you? You're only what 3 years away from that now? Yeah. You old yeah. piece of garbage. I mean, the reason I boast so much isn't because I think you guys are worse for being older, it's that I'm confident I'll die before 30. Like with the, <laughs> with the amount that I intentionally piss both of you off, I'm bound to be murdered by you. Well, the Ryan's way- bigger than me, more muscular, and Evan's just bigger than me in every way. I will die. Well, the way 2020 is going, it might take it out of your hands. Yeah, well, I'm kind of disappointed it hasn't happened yet, but at least as long as it, it goes out in a way where it's like I'm not even called like local man, like my name is in the headline, then I'm happy. Just think that uh, if you want to feel you're like on the precipice of 30 now, like you're you're getting close. And yet when we started this podcast, you were 22 and in college. Yeah, that's wild. <laughs> I, uh, I wasn't even close to being done my undergrad either. Like I was in the thick of it. Well, no, I was close ish, but still that is absolutely insane. I don't remember a lot of my undergrad and that's when we started this. Wow, what's to say when I remember more of the early days of this podcast than I do about the courses I was taking undergrad at the time? Yeah. Do you know what I remember of my college days? <laughs> Not a goddamn thing. It's funny because I had a whole, like I had 10 different options in my head to wait until the very end of the episode to call you guys out and say, by the way, you forgot my birthday. Thank you so much. I can hold this over your heads forever. Not that I would ever actually care. Um, and of course, I should have known. Brad gets us gifts. For like holidays and stuff. Of course he'd remember. 
I remember nothing. Like I this year, I've started putting people's birthdays in my calendar because I used to rely on uh, Facebook, but I do not use that. So now I have to add them into my calendar. Otherwise, I would have no idea. I don't know how people would ever remember birthdays. I I log into Facebook like twice a week at most. So literally, the only way I remember Ryan's birthday, like now, is because like okay, it was Hank's birthday. Who's next, Ryan? Shit, that's soon. That's like real soon. And then I've got like a two day countdown to worry about yours. <laughs> yeah, because I remember campaigning you and Crystal to uh, hold off on the C section or, or uh, whatever it was for, or inducing, sorry, for a couple days so Hank and I could share a birthday. I think it was going to be really close, but then he actually came before the induction was scheduled. Yeah, well, he's a big man. That, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> uh, anyhow. That's enough about me. Um, I'm glad at least Evan did. Unless I was in your phone, Evan, in which case I'm in much higher standing than I thought I was. Uh, no, it wasn't. I need to have that uh, either after or during the podcast. Yeah, all right. I was trying for a little heartwarming. I'll, I'll add it there. right now. Just yeah. <laughs> well, welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. These are two of my best friends in the world. I'm Ryan. <laughs> Do I add this as a reminder? I love that you just referred to us as your best friends, and Evan's like, fuck, do I even put him in my phone? <laughs> How many N's in your last name? <laughs> Is there oh. two H's or just one? <laughs> Poor Ryan. Just, yeah, no, I, I, I'm, uh, I, would, I would be foolish oh. to expect anything different. <laughs> Anyways, I'm Brad Crisco. <laughs> and I'm Evan. I don't know. Yeah, I'm Evan. That's all I got. <laughs> Yeah, nothing today. I'm life's tough. Would you guys believe me if I said Evan keeps our books? <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Uh, on this episode <laughs> of the Wing Wheel Podcast, obviously the biggest news uh, that's happened in the world of hockey, in the world of the Red Wings, is the contract that we've been waiting for. Anthony Mantha uh, extended on a four-year deal. So we are going to be talking about that contract in detail, uh, breaking down just what this means for Eisman and his Red Wings rebuilding plan, uh, Anthony Mantha and his future. Um, we're going to look at a couple different outlooks for how this contract might end or extend down the road. Uh, what this looks like for the rest of the team, and then whatever else we think about before um, covering some smaller topics, maybe, and then heading into overtime. So pretty Mantha-centric episode, this one. Um, I appreciate you guys sticking with the prelude. I know not everyone loves it, but uh, we're all exhausted. So Yeah, it's not Ryan's fault this time. We no. we surprised him with the intro. <laughs> it usually is my fault, yeah. Um, so the morning of uh, election day, I... Obviously, that was the topic of the day. And um, I tweeted out, I said, you just know Eisenman is going to sign Mantha tonight at like nine when results are really rolling out because Eisenman does not give a shit about the time or context under which he signs a player or trades for a player. He just does it. Like, I still remember Fabry being uh, traded for at like past midnight or whatever it was. Um, and yeah, then you literally, your text literally woke me up to tweet about it. Yeah, I was in the middle of the ocean when that happened. <laughs> um, back when it was still Holland, actually, they traded Nyquist at like two in the morning or something to the Sharks. It, like, that's just the Red Wings way. And uh, I, don't, I hadn't actually expected it to happen. A couple hours later at like 11, 1130 in the morning, um, I open up the NHL app for a completely different reason. And on the front page, 
it's the Red Wings landing page. It says Mantha extended or signs for four years. And I was like, um, <laughs> sorry. And I opened it up and it said like it was a team publication and they didn't have any of the contract details because they don't typically do that. Um, they said Mantha extend, ex, uh, extended for four years. And I'm like, is this like a weird population error? Um, like, is this an old article? And I was like, nope, November 3rd, 2020. And I was like, Huh. And I checked Twitter and there was nothing. And I was like, huh. <laughs> and then it was just like the avalanche, like Mantha extended, Mantha extended, Mantha extended. A few minutes later, we knew the AAV, et cetera, et cetera. So off by like 10 hours. But what more Steve Eisenman move is there than signing the biggest name RFA on the team and possibly in the league on election day? Just just bury the lead on that one. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure if they asked Eisman, he would have been like, oh, it's when we figured the what? deal out. Something was happening? Yeah. No, I filled my ballot out like two months ago. What do I care? <laughs> him, him and his hoodie chewing on his lip. Um, so the deal itself uh, was kind of surprising. So let's talk about it. A four-year deal with an average of $5.7 million per year. Okay, so let's talk about this from the team perspective first. For Steve Eiserman, this is nothing short of a home run, arguably a grand slam. Anthony Mantha is currently 26, and he'll be going into his age 30 season when this contract expires. So this contract will eat up his age 26, 27, 28, and 29 years. So arguably the rest of his prime. I think we'll likely see a little bit of regression to his game in the last year, maybe two years of this contract, just because that's typical for players. Um, But still, for for all intents and purposes, the rest of his prime. He got him at a bargain. When I saw four years, I I legitimately was expecting six and a half to seven million. Be like, okay, Eisenman got his flexible term, so he probably had to pay him a bit higher on the AAV. He did not. He only paid him 5.7, which was well under what I thought Mantha would get, especially on this term of a deal, to which then I said, okay, well, I guess Eisenman probably had to settle for like a full move clause here, a full no move clause here. Nope, didn't get that either. So everything Eisenman wanted, a good AAV, a reasonable term, all his prime years, no filler and a lot of flexibility, Eisenman got every little bit of it. If Anthony Mantha continues his point pace from last year, but manages to stay healthy, that is a, let me just do some quick math here, a 74-point player for $5.7 million for the rest of his prime and only his prime with no garbage years added at the end of it. It's, It's masterful. Yeah, like the common thought here was that you're either going to get what you had with Bertuzzi, which was you couldn't reach a long-term deal, so you signed a one-year. Bertuzzi's came through arbitration, but I digress. A one-year deal to kick the can. Because Mantha and Bertuzzi were both in the same situation where their next two years were RFA years no matter what. Um, Or you sign something long-term where you have to buy more UFA years than you're comfortable with, which is age 31, 32, 33 season, that kind of thing, Um, which has more benefit for the player because they have long-term security. 
And that's the price you pay if you want to get that player in maybe a little bit cheaper or you want to guarantee that they stay with the team. A four-year deal would typically mean that you're paying through the nose or the maybe not even paying through the nose. I guess that doesn't make too much sense, but the, the player would just typically avoid it really from Mantha's perspective. And like, I'm, I'm evaluating this from a completely like players working 100% in their own self-interest here. I'm sure there's some team loyalty. Like he wants to win with Detroit aspect to this. Like he buys into what Eisman is building. And he talked a little bit about that in his press conference, which we'll get to, but from a, a player signing perspective, um, all the leverage, all the chips, all everything beneficial is in Detroit and Eisenman's court here. Like that dollar value came in cheaper than expected. I think Evolving Wild had a, a four-year deal projected at about six and a half million dollars. And so in this kind of cap climate, in this kind of economic climate for the, the NHL, an $800,000 per year savings is is well under market value. A four-year deal doesn't make sense for Mantha because he is using up all of his best years under contract, under value. And when he's looking to sign his next deal, his best years will be behind him and he'll have to convince teams that he's aging well and he can still uh, uh, you know, benefit them in a way that justifies a big payday because he'll be looking for another four or five-year five deal after that at least. Granted, there is an amount here of betting on yourself, betting that the league is going to recover. Eisman would have never done a two-year deal because I would have walked into unrestricted free agency. Maybe Mantha didn't want to do a one-year deal. I don't know. This is just at Mantha's expense. And and not that it's necessarily a huge negative for him. The guy's still making $5.7 million a year on average. This is just completely 100% the perfect deal within the realm of reason for Eisman. If we got this from a Red Wings fan, a diehard Red Wings fan saying, what do you think about this contract? Our replies, I think unanimously would have been, yeah, it would be nice, but I think that's a, uh, it's a Homer deal. I don't think that actually would ever get signed by Mantha. He'd demand more. Absolutely. So from Mantha's standpoint, I've seen some reasons and arguments thrown around for why he would do this. And he came out himself and said that, yeah, I'll probably be able to get another four or five year deal after this, which, I mean, I appreciate his optimism, but like the NHL over the last last few seasons has learned to not hand out term to players 30 and older. Um, the summer of 2016 just ruined that for everybody because um, teams are still trying to dig out from under those contracts, including the Red Wings. Um, yeah, if I was Mantha, I would have been on the extreme ends of the term. Give me a one-year deal and pay me next summer when hopefully the economy is healthier. Or give me a seven or eight-year deal and this will be my big contract that I ride into the sunset. And that probably would have come with a higher AAV. I understand that. But you know, if you're going six and a half million for eight years and you might just ride one-year contracts at the end of it, that's probably worth it. But he's betting on himself and I respect it. He's not a speed player, so there's a good chance he ages better than most players. So, despite his health history, like again, this is all under the assumption he can stop punching people in the helmet. Um, so, I don't hate it, but again, he didn't have a ton of leg to stand on here just because he was an RFA. I mean, he was only two years for unres- from unrestricted free agency, though, so he had a little bit of leverage because he could have went to arbitration or et cetera, et cetera, and um, just coasted it out for a couple years. 
Um, I don't think he wanted to hold out, so good on him. Yeah, I I, I get the feeling that Eisenman laid the clamp series. Like, sorry, man, th- this is this is your term. Let's just talk dollars, honestly. And I would have thought he would have got more dollars out of that, but obviously his injury history was working against him because his production sure as hell wasn't. He he last season he produced at the pace of a seven million dollar player. I would argue he's a better, more effective player than William Nylander, who's getting just a hair under $7 million on a longer-term deal. So, you know, pandemic notwithstanding. Like, I get it. This is probably the best deal he was offered, hence why he signed it. I just, this strikes me as just Mantha buying into what Eisenman's selling. And in Mantha's press conference, you could tell he has bought into what Eisenman's selling. That That is very relevant. It's it's usually way too cliche to say, oh, he took a discount because he believes in the team. Players rarely do that. As much as we like to think they do that all the time, they don't. Um, it sounds like that at least factored into Mantha's decision, which is nice. He even said Steve did not want to do a three-year deal because he did not want mine and Larkin's contract up in the same summer. And I understood that. Um, so yeah. And Mantha even said like, yeah, we've got two, maybe three more years left in the rebuild before we're contenders again. And I want to be here for that. Hence why he went a little longer. So it, it's definitely a guy who sounds like he bought in. He definitely left a little bit of money on the table in all likelihood. Uh, still very surprised he didn't accept any trade control on that. Cause when you're basically taking a hit on everything else, you would at least push for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, he's getting 22.4 or whatever million dollars. 22.8. 22.8. Um, it's not a bad chunk of change, honestly. He's, he's going to be doing just fine for himself. And if he does have four big years, there will be a team that will pay him. Maybe even the Red Wings, probably the Red Wings. At the end of it, it just won't be on a longer term deal, which is fine. Because if you get a, a four year payday and then a three year payday, it's no different than if he signed a seven year contract. So again, he's betting on himself and he's betting on the team. And I love that mentality. Yeah. What else is there to say? <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was coming. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I totally agree with everything you guys said. Um, I was a little surprised that Mantha wouldn't push for either more term or more dollar or no or some trade protection um so so it really feels like the organization got the the win on this uh salary negotiation but um you never know what happens at the end of that at the end of the contract the league could be booming i think the new tv deal will be kicking in it could be a big payday for for mantha and if if he's keeps his goal scoring up there will be a team that pays them a, a, a big chunk of change. So let's talk about the trade protection. Cause for me, that was the, one of the bigger surprises that I, I really thought made this from a, uh, push this over the edge from a great deal to a fantastic deal for Eisenman and the Red Wings. Um, Eisenman doesn't do, um, he, he really doesn't do no trade clauses or no move clauses unnecessarily on the Red Wings. He doesn't typically hand them out. I mean, Franz Nielsen has one that was from Ken Holland. Uh, Valtteri Filippola has one, and he was signed on a two-year deal, and I'm sure that was part of the stipulation. He said, you know, Val- uh, Valtteri, can you come over here, just fill in that 2C, 3C slot for us? And Filippola was like, sure, but I don't want to be moving at the deadline. Not that that's necessarily a big risk, 
with Philip Love, but still, and that's fine. Um, Mark Stahl has one that came over with him in the deal. Dick Heiser has one that was from Ken Holland. End of list. Right? Like, Eisman I mean, Tampa Bay's end. littered with them, but. Yeah, and that was surprising to me. But yeah, on the Red Wings, he doesn't typically do it. This four-year deal is the longest contract that Eisman has signed. And so I thought maybe there would be some here. Couldn't have been for the first two years because, again, those are restricted free agent years. But for the last two, I thought maybe Mantha would even want the traditional, you know, 10-team no-trade list or 10-team trade list or something like that. Absolutely nothing. And that just furthers the point of Eisenman has all the leverage here. Let's let's put it this way. Mantha is playing lights out. Absolutely lights out. 40 goals a year. He has everyone's attention. People agree with your take, Brad, that he's a better player than Nylander, which I, I agree with. A lot of Toronto fans won't like that, but that's okay. We'll argue with Steve with about that maybe the next time he's on the show. Um, but Detroit's not there yet in the rebuild. Had a, the, the young guys are taking longer. Raymond's taking longer. Maybe Zadina's not developing as quickly. Uh, maybe Larkin regresses, or maybe it's just the team needs a longer time to to get to the rebuild, and, and they uh, they're losing Mantha's best years. If you go through two years of Mantha's contract, and you know you're still at least two years away, you have the option of trading him, and that'll get you first round picks. That caliber of player will get you first round picks, and that is huge, huge leverage for Eisman. Again, as I've said in the past, I'm not necessarily advocating for trading Mantha, but they have to be very careful here about what their window is and when their competitive window aligns with Mantha's prime. It's not a sin to keep some of your best players through the prime, even if you're not winning. But if you're looking purely objective, you're, you're taking all the emotion, all the fandom out of it. In terms of asset maximization, you would want to deal that player if you know he's not going to be contributing to a winning team before his prime ends to get the most out of it. And that is an option that is left on the table for Eisenman because he didn't, op- he didn't, there's no, no trade clause for all four years of that contract. Two years from now, Cole Caulfield will be getting close to the NHL. So there might be a deal to be had with Montreal at that point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Four years of Montreal trade rumors. Here we go. I know. I thought we were done with the Montreal offer sheet rumors and now we're going to be on the Montreal trade rumors. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's like you said, it's all about flexibility. If the team turns it around quick, great. Mantha's a big part of that. If this goes absolutely sideways, it's not going to be hard to get out of Mantha's contract here or get a huge haul for him. If Mantha doesn't perform up to contract expectations, if he regresses to like a 50-ish point player, I mean, that's not an unreasonable contract for a player in that caliber. So he'd still be movable and valuable to trade at that. Like, could you imagine trading two years of Anthony Mantha and you retain half the salary? So you're the team that's getting Anthony yeah. Mantha is getting him at like just under two point nine million dollars. <laughs> yeah, for a seventy insane. point player. Could you imagine the return on that? You you are starting at multiple first round picks in the team's top prospect at that point. And if you do it with a little bit of term too, like uh, again, not advocating, but let's say Mantha has two fa- fantastic years and you deal him with. Uh, one and three quarters year, year or one and a half years left on his contract. Yeah, you're talking multiple first. You're talking like I want a first and I want the cream of the crop of your prospects. You're not talking Alexi Lafreniere from New York, but you, you know something significant. Cole Caulfield is not crazy to think about. No, and and this is all just a really long way to say is uh, his contract is very flexible. If this contract goes amazingly well, and in the final year of this contract, he puts up 35 goals and 35 assists, great. Extend him. Keep him around. You, 
There's no rule that says you can't have players over the age of 30 in the NHL anymore. Just don't give them seven-year terms. Like, I think that's what everybody's learned. If you get a 30-year-old on a three-year contract that's not $10 million, it's usually pretty reasonable. It's yeah. when you start paying four, five, six years worth of that money that it turns into an issue. Because if you know what Anthony Manth is at 29, it's not that hard to figure out what he's going to be at 31 and 32, right? So Eisenman can do basically whatever he wants here. And sometimes with a GM, if we had, even though I, I was an apologist for him and, and I thought people were unfairly harsh on him, I wouldn't want, wouldn't have wanted Ken Holland to give Anthony Mantha a four-year term. I would have wanted more certainty on his contract. I would have wanted that fifth or sixth year just to fully ride out his prime and not lose him too early because if we're getting good in year five and we lose Mantha, well, now we're regressing. But now if we lose Mantha in year five, I've got full confidence Steve Eisenman will trade him, replace him, resign him, do whatever's best for the team and do it adequately so that the team doesn't have to take a step backwards because one of their players is an unrestricted free agent. So it's, it's about flexibility and it's the right guy to control that flexibility. Yeah. He's not, uh, he's, he's like, he's not a, a, I'm trying to think of a way to phrase this. Let me restart. This is a fantastic contract for Anthony Mantha, assuming he stays healthy or sorry for the Red Wings. If he stays healthy, like if Anthony Mantha stays healthy, this is a phenomenal, phenomenal contract. Let's say Anthony Mantha takes his usual injuries. He plays anywhere from 45 to 65 games a year at max. That's still like a 40 to 55 point output. That's still a good contract, right? Like at the value he's signing for, that is still a good contract. So last season, he played 53 games and had 48 points. If he does that for each of the next four years, it's still a decent contract. Obviously not good, but you're getting near 50 points for 5.7 million. You look around the league at $5.7 million players. This is about what they are. So if Anthony Mantha continues his clip, like I said earlier, of 74 point pace for the next four years, but he stays healthy... This is one of the best contracts in the entire league. Yeah. Um, if he stays healthy, that's, that, that has to be like, I, I guarantee on any analytical chart, if Mantha plays an 82 game season, um, Mantha's outpacing his, his value by a good margin for anyone who doesn't know, maybe new to Mantha or, or is not so much of a believer in him. Here is, here are his skill sets, a genuinely elite shot. I think his shot is among the best in the NHL. And when he is hot, he is hot. The guy stays absolutely on fire. He's tends to cool down, which is why I think injuries, um, coming back from injuries kind of depresses his point output. I think his point output is better or could be better than what we've seen so far. Um, he's, perceived as slow but he's actually got a good amount of foot speed the guy's a good skater a clip that i've been sharing a lot has been him on a breakaway where he absolutely beats two defenders and gets a, a separation on a breakaway before sniping the puck at full speed like the guy skates 
sometimes, especially when he was younger, caught dogging it back to his own zone, but I've seen less of that from him. Um, fantastic, fantastic offensive playmaker. Like the, the way he sees the ice and works with his teammates in the offensive zone, I think he's, he's very underrated. Um, you know, not necessarily playmaker in, in making these insane passes, but being in the right place, facilitating the play in the right way. Uh, Brad, we've talked about that, you know, uh, pass swing around behind the net. Um, and I think he ended up shooting the puck that from his first, the four goal game against Dallas, like that was just a great read on the, in the, uh, offensive zone on the power play, Anthony Mantha. And we've said this before, if you're talking raw talent, pure talent is probably the, the most talented player on the Red Wings. I'm past the point of saying probably he is, he doesn't have Larkin's top end speed or competitiveness. I, I feel like that sells Mantha short because Mantha gets the label of being a floater, much like Franzen used to do, and he's not. That's just, he's big and smooth. That's just the way he plays. Doesn't mean he's not competitive. He wins almost every goddamn board battle he's in. It still mystifies me that people think he has a lack of effort, but Larkin's a freak on that level. I, I, I'm at the point, I'm not sure if I would classify Larkin or Mantha as a better player, but if we're talking about just skill, it's Mantha. It's absolutely Mantha. Yeah, That'll probably change skill. once Lucas Raymond's a regular, but for now, it's Mantha. Because there's no there's no holes to Anthony Mantha as a hockey player. He's big, he can skate, he's got a real shot, he's got great hands, and he's a great playmaker, and he's good defensively. Like, his defensive metrics are excellent. He is a two-way power winger with skill the one knock I against i have against him is his top end speed is really really good like he is incredibly fast i always reference the goal he scored against pittsburgh i think two years ago where the puck got dumped down the ice and he just blew past the pittsburgh defenseman and then tucked it around matt murray so if anybody knows the goal i'm talking about wants to link it for me that'd be great because then i can i can tweet it out um, it's just that his acceleration isn't great because he's six foot five. It's he's not going to get to top speed that quick. But when he gets there, he very few defenders can catch him. Look at the home opener. Look at his four goal game against Dallas. Um, the second goal, I believe, where he just went wide on the defenseman, beat him cleanly wide, cut to the net, and tucked it in. Like he's a, he's a phenomenal player. Health. That's his one concern. That is the only concern about Anthony Mantha's hockey player is health. And when you look at his injury history, there's not a repeated nagging injury. He finds new and creative ways to hurt himself each time, which sounds bad, but it's not. Because like when guys blow at a knee and then they blow at a knee again, you're watching that knee for the rest of their career. Mantha hasn't had that. He hasn't. He doesn't repeatedly dislocate the same shoulder. He doesn't repeatedly blow at the same knee. He doesn't have repeated concussion issues. He he doesn't have an injury that we're going into the season looking at going, he's going to be good, but is that going to hold on? It's just, Anthony, don't punch people in the helmet this year, please. And yeah. he'll probably be fine. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah I, I mean, th- this contract's a straight up 10 out of 10 for me. Um, so Mantha did the press conference first, I think the day of his signing. Um, so he talked a little bit about the process. I mean, he, he talked a lot about the fact that it went long, like for sure he had some anxiety about it. He admitted as much. And he said, like, my agent asked me to trust him and I did. And 
That's why we didn't file for arbitration. My agent said, no, we ha- we got a good thing going. Or it's going in the right direction. Trust me, trust Stevie. He's a man of his word. And it came through. And um, he was very much, I, I think you you got it, Brad, when you said he's he's bought into what Eisenman is selling. But at the same time, he he didn't mince words when it came to his feelings about the process. You can tell he wasn't a huge fan of, of how long it took and I don't know. He didn't say this in a coded way or anything, but I, I, I just got the impression that maybe he was a little bit disappointed because he wanted more, but that's not in any of these free agents control, right? Like COVID and the economy is what it is. Like it's, it's, that's not, not a reality for anyone. So, um, but he didn't come out doom and gloom. He talked about playing well so he can earn a, a, a bigger payday in his next contract. He set a goal for himself of 30 goals. Like he wants to crack that number. I mean, that's it's a good goal to set. 30 goals is a great output. Anyone who watches the Red Wings closely knows that if Anthony Mantha just plays a full season, he'll hit 30 goals. We're talking about a 40-goal player here. If Anthony Mantha has a fantastic next couple seasons, we're possibly talking about more than just a 40-goal milestone. Won't get too far ahead of myself, but still. Um, he He's very much looking to prove and out or like outplay this contract because he knows this contract um, was muted in terms of income because of COVID and because of the uh, lower salary cap and because of the lower revenue in the NHL. And he wants to make sure that in four years from now, he's laughing his way to the bank. Um, and to me, like it's very honest, it's very raw. Like you're not going to get every player coming in saying, Oh yeah, like uh, I was never worried and sure it took a long time, but uh, that's just how these things go and I'm just happy to get out there on the ice with the boys. Like no, I I'm happy to see a player come out and say, "Yeah, I had to trust my agent when we didn't file for arbitration and um no, like I wasn't going to get an offer sheet cuz those things don't happen. Not I wasn't going to get an offer sheet cuz I didn't want one or I only want to play in Detroit." It's he said those things just don't happen and you know, my agent asked me to trust him. Like he's very honest about it. Um but all that at the end of the day what I got from him is he believes that this team can contend under Steve Eisenman's vision. And this guy is driven to outperform his contract. Perfect. 30 goals is, is <laughs> like you're talking within the first 60 games, Anthony Mantha might be able to hit 30 goals. Well, the last two seasons he's been playing over a 30 goal pace. Is he not? I know last season for sure. And I think the season before he was flirting with it all season. So Yeah. I mean that's the baseline. That's not that should be his baseline in an 82 game season, not the goal, honestly. So let's do that math really quick. 16 out of 43. Yep, 30 and a half goals, so 31 goal pace. So right. two years in a row he's played at a 30 goal pace. Yeah, that's his baseline now. That's and that's I, with the rusty games coming back from a long injury. Yeah, so again, um if he hits 30 he hasn't hit 30 goals yet, so he has to do it first, but I mean, yeah, that's the expectation for me. And again, short of an injury or more likely a shortened season. I mean, if the league only plays 60 games a season, that will be tough sledding for him. That's just the reality of it. But even in a 60-game season, maybe. I could see it. Maybe. Um, he, 
like another thing that he said in the contract, I really like that he outlined um, the fact that a three-year deal was off the table. Um, I don't know if Eisman necessarily was wanted him to say it when they brought it up in Eisman's press conference because you can tell Eisman didn't watch the the Mantha press conference because I can't think of anyone who would give less of a shit about watching that press conference than Steve (laughs) Eisman. They asked Eisman, they said, oh yeah, Anthony said um, a three-year deal was off the table because he didn't, you didn't want him and Larkin coming up at the same time. And Eisman was like, Oh, uh, oh, uh, yeah. Um, and like he wasn't upset, but he's probably kind of surprised. It's not the kind of thing Eisman would usually say to the media, but Mantha did. And it's not bad. Like he didn't let anything slip and it makes a lot of sense. It's really nice to think about that because, and that's not earth shattering. Any GM worth his weight would be doing that. Like any GM that's worth their time or, or is halfway decent is going to be making sure that two, their two best players aren't going to come up for unrestricted free agent contracts at the exact same time. Um, but that was kind of refreshing to see. Um, Mantha kind of alluded to the fact that he also had an option of either a four or five year deal. And that kind of seemed like the ball was in his court. Eisenman probably extended an offer to him for a five year deal as well. I don't know if it was the same AAV. Um, Mantha opted for a four year deal specifically to get to unrestricted free agency sooner and cash in on on better years sooner because you can tell he wants to cash in on a, on a higher dollar deal and that makes sense to me yeah absolutely makes sense from his standpoint um if it was a high dollar deal like if we're talking about a million million and a half more then yeah amantha's probably taken that five years but i don't think that's the case um and then in eiserman's press conference like they're not terribly and not anything terribly earth shattering um he said what we're all thinking. The biggest thing for Mantha now, like the talent is there, the skill is there, the game is there. He just needs him to stay healthy. And he specifically referenced the fights. Like Eisman has said, like, yeah, I get that fights happen, but it's not really what I want my best players to be doing. Brad's currently reading a message on his phone. I typed in the group chat saying, Brad, I'm so sorry for derailing the conversation. I had the world's biggest brain fart. <laughs> I'll admit it. That was a while um, ago. I'm not even sure what that's referencing now. That's good. I wasn't either. Um, and he's not wrong. Like Mantha's a a passionate player. He, and he's a physical player. He likes to use the body, and that's fine. The punching, the helmets, just punching in general. Just stop. You let other players do it, or let no one do it. Doesn't necessarily happen. The Red Wings haven't been a big fighting team in a long time. Like, just have to stay healthy. And I'm sure that was part of the contract the negotiations too. Like. Mantha knows dollars are off his deal because he lost a lot of injury game, or game, like man games due to injury because of his own like swings he threw with his fists. Translation. I, I tweeted this already, but it was a translation for Meiserman saying, Anthony, stop. That was that was the entire meaning behind what Eisenman was getting at. Yeah, and it was. Okay, so Let's do a game that you guys won't like, and we're going to make Evan start here. Oh, no. <laughs> Your face. <laughs> Fire away, see, Ryan. How do you see this playing out? Do you see Ma- Anthony Mantho's contract expiring in Detroit or out of Detroit by oh, way of trade? Man. Well, I'd imagine Detroit's only going to get better after a 17-win season, so I'd imagine... Mantha will either see that this team is in the right direction, which I think it is, or he'll see that this team is never going to stop rebuilding, which I don't think is how it's going to play out. So 
barring some amazing trade that comes across Steve Eiserman's table, I would imagine he re-ups in Detroit. Uh, but it uh, it all depends on what happens in the next few years. Brad, I'm I'm taking the advantage here and go. I'm going last. Okay, so I'll take the optimistic view here. Um, the Red Wings damn well better be good in four years. I'll I'll just go ahead and say it. the the stage that they're at in their rebuild now. If this team's not competing for like a playoff spot, if not a, a playoff run. In four years, something's went horribly wrong. That that's the reality of it. So I don't see a scenario. Well, I'm not going to say I don't see a scenario, but I'm not betting on a scenario where Mantha gets traded before then. Because if you're on a playoff run or looking at a playoff run, you're not trading one of your best players, even if he is a UFA to be. Um, I'm not going to say he extends with the Red Wings because obviously I have no idea what the world's going to look like then. But my gut tells me. Anthony Mantha's a Detroit Red Wing for four more years. All right, here's here's my take. I think the Red Wings will be in a a pretty significant spot in terms of how they've progressed in the rebuild by the time we're talking three, four years into Mantha's contract. Um, I also think that is going to be because the re, like a big surge from their young guys. I think Cider will be contributing in a big way. I think by then Raymond will be tr- contributing in a bigger way than people think. I think Zadina will have ascended to where he think he can play on this lineup, which is a consistent top six, if not a top line role. I'm going to go off the board here, and I'm going to say he gets dealt after three years. May, whether it's deadline in the last year or before the last season, Eisman recognizes that he has enough young talent coming up where if he can take advantage and get a first round pick when, uh, and make room for that dominant talent or the flip side happens where they're not good enough. Like those are two scenarios in my mind where I can see Eisman finding cause to trade a 29, 30 year, or 30 year old who can shoot the hell out of a puck. Again, for the millionth time, because I know people won't like it, I'm not advocating for it. I love Anthony Mantha. I love watching him play. I think he has, again, one of the best shots in the league. Um, Eisman is shrewd, and I think that option is very much on the table for him. And I think that's I, – I wouldn't be surprised if the no-trade uh, clauses were a sticking point or at the very least something that Eisman said was a must-have. So I'm going to go against the grain here and say traded after year three. You know, depending on the return, that's not a, really a bad answer. Like, it's not a pessimistic answer. If the return is a first and uh, like a primo, primo prospect from a team, and we, we could, in the Red Wings could utilize those that ELC contract on the on the draft pick, that could be everything the team needs to get over the hump. Who knows? Where I, I mean, expect where I expect the Red Wings to be at three years, I don't think that would be a, a player for pick steal. The Red Wings are going to be looking to be good at that point. That's uh, You're trading Anthony Mantha to get another player, ideally younger, at a bigger position of need, hypothetically. Because Raymond's a winger, Zadina's a winger, you know, Master Simone's a winger, etc. They've got a lot of wingers in the system. So there's a reality where Ryan's right, and they're just loaded at the position. So it's like, okay, well, we need a center, or oh, we need a defenseman, and... Mantha's our trade chip to get that done. And Eisenman's done deals like that before, Drouin for Sergachev, et cetera. Um, but again, I still, I don't see it because if it, it doesn't, 
necessarily always take long to turn it around. Let's not forget in 2007, the Chicago Blackhawks picked first overall. Three years later, they won the Stanley Cup. No circumstances exactly the same, but teams can turn it around quick. Quick, There is a reality where we are talking about the Detroit Red Wings as Stanley Cup contenders in Anthony Mantha's final year. I wouldn't say it's very likely. Oh, I'm not betting on that. <laughs> no, but at that point, Lucas Raymond's likely in his third year. Zadine will be going into his fifth. Sider will be going into probably his third year. At You would think uh, more than a few of Berggren, Johansson, Wallander, I'm just picking random prospects here, are in the team and contrib- on the team and contributing at that point on ELCs. And then you'll have your good mix of vets and Larkin, Bertuzzi, Mantha, and Heronic and probably a free agent or a trade or two. Like it, it's very possible. So the only way I see Mantha getting traded is that there's all their winger, not all, but most of their top end winger prospects panned out better than we thought. And there's a glaring hole somewhere else in the roster or the Red Wings rebuild is going sideways and everything went horribly. In which case Mantha is probably the least of our concerns. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 a win 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 situation here, and that's why we're so over over the moon. Ten out of the ten, or ten out of ten is exactly right from Brad in terms of an analysis on this contract. This this contract is safeguarded in terms of term. This car- contract is safeguarded in terms of movability because there's no clause holding it back. This contract is safeguarded in terms of cap hit. It's ca- safeguarded because it's fine to it's good to sign players who are really good, and that's what Anthony Mantha is. It checks every box. You talk about give and take. There is only take here from Eiserman. Again, $5.7 million is not the most Mantha could have had, but still within the range of fair and a lot of money for him. Um, but yeah, if you're a fan of a team that's been mired by cap issues and bad contracts, this is like a gift from the hockey gods to say, yeah, maybe the Nielsen was one was a bridge too far. Here's the Mantha contract to say sorry for that. That's what that's honestly what it feels like. This is only like one point one Nielsen, so like it's all good. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah. Um all right, we're gonna move on very quickly. Uh uh we talked about Dom Loose Chicken. Uh I think last episode we're gonna talk about him again. Uh released two articles. 10 worst contracts in the NHL and 10 best contracts in the NHL. Now, I'm not sure if he factored in the Mantha one. He was probably writing it before the Mantha one was even signed, but there were no Red Wings on the 10 best contracts in the league. But there were no Red Wings in the 10 worst contracts in the league. That was based on term as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that makes a lot more sense. Value remaining above or below for the rest of the deal. The Red Wings have two contracts with more than two years left. Dylan Larkin and Anthony Mantha. I don't think those were making the worst contracts list. Franz Nielsen is the worst contract the Red Wings have, and that only has two years left. Darren Helm is a bad contract. That only has one year left. Mark Stahl is a bad contract. That only has one year left. The Red Wings are in a fantastic position right now, contract-wise. I swear it looks like Eisenman is building the team kind of like how the Red Wings had in their heyday where, you know, Littstrom made the most and no one made more than Littstrom and the contracts were doled out in a smart way. But even now it's been escalated or elevated to the nth degree because you have to be so much more diligent and prudent and shrewd with your, your, your salary uh, structure. And in this cap year of the NHL, like, your highest earner is Dylan Larkin at 6.1. That is good. 
That's what you want. You want your best player to be the highest earner. And you want players to fall in behind. Anthony Mantha at 5.7 is great. We're not going to talk about Franz Nielsen at 5.25 because that wasn't an Eisman signing. Helm wasn't an Eisman signing. Tyler Bertuzzi is the next highest Eisman paid player at $3.5 million. Like, this is what you want. And, and we've seen it now with uh, his waiver moves. We've seen it with his trade acquisitions. We saw it with all of his signings this summer. Um you know, starting with Robbie Fabry at two years, 2.95 per year, the great deal for Bobby Ryan, the great deals for, for Stetcher and Merrill, uh, obviously not earth shattering deals, but all great value. And then we thought, okay, Bertuzzi is a big test. Bertuzzi it's arbitration, but that came in at a great price for Detroit, but you're saying, okay, arbitration, you can't really give him credit for that. Mantha is a big test hit it all. I am, I've never been more confident in the Red, Red Wings future. And that's solely because of the work that Steve Eisman and his uh, management team have done building, building this team so far. Yeah. And Mantha, like uh, he's not making more than Larkin, but he is tied for the second most expensive contract on the team. Oh, with, with Mark Stallworth. <laughs> <Mark> <laughs> I know I was purposely not going in the defense column because I was like, oh, Mark Stall and Danny DeKaiser, 5.7 and 5 million. Although, yeah. you know what? Danny DeKaiser is the least of our issues. Yeah, it's fine. We we almost forget about him sometimes. Poor Danny. Send uh, Anthony and Danny to the don't get hurt this year hockey school, please. Yeah. And Detroit yeah. might hit 30 wins. And it's nice, too, because if you want to look at how to be a successful team with sustained success, that is the keyword, sustained success. Just look at what the Islanders are doing right now. They're great now, about to be really screwed in a couple of years. They signed their top defenseman this year to a two-year contract, which walks him right to unrestricted free agency. Right at around the same time that Anders Lee, Jordan Eberle, Brock Nelson, all these expensive long-term deals Lou Lamarillo signed are going to be for players who are starting to decline in their careers, if not already. So flexibility is key because Lou Lamarillo got the team he wanted last year. He's not going to want that team again in five years, but he's going to have that team again in five years. Yeah, that was the opposite of the Mantha contract in terms like just walked him to UFA. I was like, this guy just went GM of the year. Speaking of which, you want to we want to talk about taking on bad contracts and getting assets. Uh the Islanders have 3.9 million in cap space. They have not signed Matthew Barzell yet. <laughs> they gotta move somebody or to put Andrew Ladd on Robida Island. <laughs> no, a buyout on Johnny Boychuk and Andrew Ladd, the way their contracts are structured, saves them almost nothing. It's like $200,000. Oh, my oh no. Like, their their contracts are buyout-proof. They have to either buy out a decent player, um, and that probably isn't even enough cap savings, or they're going to have to trade someone. I would take Andrew Ladd for their 2022 first. Andrew Ladd's got, what, three years left? Yeah. I would need more than that. He's got a modified no trade. Yeah. I'd, look at, I'd take Johnny Boychuk before I took Andrew Ladd. Yeah. I, I, I'm just saying I, I'm, I'm targeting that 2022 first because maybe they can eke out another good season 2021. But if the house of cards is going to come tumbling down, I'm looking at that Shane Wright lottery. Two, two years of Johnny Boychuk at $6 million is still worth a first round pick. Yeah. But take only, every dollar. It's only two one. years, not three. Man, 
Man, that's what we'll be talking about on, on future episodes. The Red Wings still, this is before anyone gets LTIR'd, have $12.6 million in cap space. Uh, Timoshov is still an RFA, um, so he might still be signed. There's not really been a decision on that yet, whether he's returning to the team. Um, but the Red Wings have a lot of room, so the take on a bad contract window is still very much open, which we'll continue to talk about. For now, overtime. Uh, midweek episode of the winged wheel podcast, which means overtime is Patreon exclusive. Um, a lot of our patrons, they're the reason we can continue this show during the long off season and cover things like Anthony Mantha. Brad, what are you making a face at? I just pulled up the Islanders cap friendly pitch. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> oh my yes. God. So when Andrew Ladd's contract expires in three more years, that fourth year, they still Still have Anders Lee at seven million, Brock Nelson at six million, Jordan Everly at five and a half, Josh Bailey at five, and Jean Gabriel Peugeot at five. Their current ages are 27, 31, 30, 29, and 30. That entire core of players is going to be in their mid 30s, all making over five million dollars. Yeah, but at least they don't have grow beards and they shave. They'll have loads. That's what's important. Keep the jersey lumber numbers low, but keep those contract numbers high. Man, big brain move. I'll take Andrew Ladd for their 2024 first round pick. That's my asking price. Uh, you need a, a closer immediate return than four years. No, that's going to be the first overall pick, and I want it. <laughs> All right, we're going to move into overtime. We're going to start with uh, Kyle, uh, who's a brand new name level sponsor. Kyle, welcome, and thank you for supporting the Wingfield Podcast. Uh, welcome to the family. It says, would you rather have seen the contract a couple years longer at maybe six or six point three million, or is it perfect where it's at? Thank you. Uh, in a perfect world, I would have wanted one more year, but again, Mantha had to get at least something in his favor out of this. If if the contract was already at six or six point three, I would have said yeah, I, I would have preferred one more year out of it. I am not saying no to a four year deal, not taking any risk of of regression past age 30 preferred no would i be almost as happy or just as happy yeah um <laughs> fondle me till i'm streaming says hello it is i uh, i am slightly upset that you did not follow my request that my name established i'll get over it though i'm sorry we dispatched evan he must not have made it there in time uh fun fact ooh, this is a good one brad uh fun fact every time the bills have been six and one they've made it to the super bowl their current record this season five and two just want to put that out there <laughs> They're six and two now. Catch up. Uh, I also have a serious relationship question. As someone who struggles with cripplingly low self-esteem, I am con- I'm in constant fear that my currently my current relationship will crumble over any conflict. I'm planning on enlisting in the army after grad and basic training is going to take me to Quebec. I'm only 19 and I'm unsure if this 10 month old relationship will be able to take the strain of me moving out of province. Uh, I'm in Barrie. She's in Toronto. This is my first serious relationship and I don't want it to end. I'm aware that's a little bit more heavy heavy than this podcast is used to, but with it being election day, I would rather have people laugh at my situation than stress about other things. Thanks. I mean, if she's in, if you guys are already buried to Toronto apart, I mean, it's kind of long distance already. So it's not like, I can't imagine it's changing dramatically. Yeah. Like life comes at you fast. You guys have to sit and have a conversation before you go to basic uh, as to whether you want to try it. And if the answer is no, then it's no. And if it's yes, then you try it and then you evaluate and see how that goes. Um, you're still really young and, uh, like this kind of thing has to, like, you just learn by experience. So my only other, uh, advice that I can give you 
is, and this is the most bullshit advice in the world. And I know it's seriously not worth it to stress. Like there's the, once you, you, once you get over one thing, life will give you another thing to stress about until you have kids, you don't know real stress. And that's, that's what I think. (laughs) And I said that completely to appease Brad. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely true. Uh, no. And that was a simplistic way of putting it, but, uh, Hey, don't ever be afraid to ask uh, a heavier question. We're here for you. Uh, Ashley Van Conant, this is nice, uh, says just chiming in to say happy birthday, Ryan. Thank you, Ashley. I hope you're doing well. Um, Michael Thompson says one good thing happening during all that is 2020 is my gym has reopened with pretty good protocols in place. Now that I can finally start working on my holy shit, what the hell happened physique? I thought I'd continue the music trend and ask, what are your, some top workout songs? Proud to have you as my unofficial emotional support Canadians <laughs> wishing everybody the best right now. <laughs> oh man. Um, uh, God, I got to hold on. Let me just pull up my current workout playlist, which changes every five days. Yeah, I'm, I I wasn't lying on previous episodes. Like my workout songs are like aggressively either shitty or like hard trap rap music or like I have December 1963 by Frankie Valley in the four seasons on the same playlist. Yeah, like I'm all over the place right now. I've got a bunch of anchor on there. I've got some bear tooth for some reason. A couple bands that I've never even heard of. They've just got a few aggressive songs. Uh, uh, I threw on Bodies by Drowning Pool just for the yeah. hell of it. Uh, Rage, you can never go wrong with the Rage Against the Machine. Oh, absolutely. Like that's when you're pissed off and you have a workout the same day. Throw on Killing in the Name of and try not setting a PR. Yeah. You're going <laughs> like, to break the bar in half before you don't get it up. I wasn't even mad one day and I put that on and it's all I listened to during the workout and I was just frowning the whole time. <laughs> I found a reason to be angry. Evan, do you listen to music? Do you, Evan, do you listen to music is my question. I'm just going through my Spotify right now. Uh, Did they program you to enjoy music? I would say the vast majority of the music I listen to is of the metal or hardcore genres. So... My beats per minute are always up at when I'm listening to music at the gym. Yeah, that's Evan. Really excitable. High beats per minute. That's yeah. what we say about him. High BPM, Evan. Yeah, yes. I, I, I can relate. I, I, in general, don't generally listen to calmer music. So. I'll listen to anything. It just really depends on what's going on. If I'm at the gym, I'm probably going to need something a little bit more intense. If, uh, if I'm trying not to stress out about work, I'm probably just sitting in a quiet, quiet room with the lights <laughs> off crying. Do you listen to music while you golf? Um, no. No, why? No, why? Oh, no, I'm just trying to figure I'm trying to figure no. that out. I, I like just, you know, if I golf by myself, I'll just, it'll just be silence and the occasional swear word. <laughs> <laughs> That's your dream, eh? Like, I always say. I love I, golfing by myself. I think I'm an extrovert, but when I recharge, I like I like being on my own. Like I have no problem being on my own. That's my quiet time. I think if Evan had a choice, everyone would leave him the fuck alone all the time. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely as I've gotten older, I'm more extrovert in a smaller and smaller amount of time. Well, bold of you to go on a podcast where you have over ten thousand people listen to you a week. I doesn't bother me one bit. <laughs> you know me, BPMs uh dylan krill says hey guys i saw this idea on twitter and i thought a wings edition would be fun what would you rather larkin with mantha's shot bertuzzi with larkin's speed or mantha with bertuzzi's heart larkin with mantha's shot would be one of the best centers in the league yes 
Yeah, that's yeah, that's really the only flaw in Larkin's game is he doesn't have a great shot. That yeah, let's do that. <laughs> like that is Mantha, <laughs> but younger, faster, and plays center. Like I'm glad I'm you no guys all agreed with that too, because for a second I thought maybe it was a I was missing something or there was a tricks question there that I didn't know. Yeah, I mean, Mantha with Bertuzzi's heart might just mean he fights more, which we don't necessarily want. So. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Uh, Trevor Pevavar says, hey, guys, long time, no comment. Just to piss Terry off, if all of the GMs of the league were put on a deserted island, who'd be the leader? The first one to crack and go insane, the first one to betray someone, and the first one to overplay, overpay a player for too long for the sake of consistency and holding on to lost dreams. At a playoff run, just kidding, we all know that last one is Holland. Let's go Red Wings. So Iserman's the leader. I I actually think that. I think the first person to betray someone uh, would be Lou Lamorello when he pulls off his mask and reveals that he's actually Mike Milbury. Who would crack and go insane? I mean, Jake uh, is gone now because he kind of did. Bergevin might. His protein intake drops significantly. Yeah. He's only having coconut water. Right. Yeah. And, and somehow smuggled some more steroids onto the island. <laughs> First one to betray someone, definitely Dubis. Just like a deal in the night kind of thing. You think so? I don't yeah, know. He's smart enough. I don't know. I get a I get a Jim Benning vibe on that one. I don't know if Jim Benning can betray people so much as just make the wrong move. <laughs> <laughs> uh Joey Furtaw, who is a brand new patron. Joey, welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast family. He says, new listener from Kalamazoo, Michigan. I really like what you guys do here, and I just want to ask if you think Timashov gets signed and is able to find a spot on this stacked lineup. I mean, <laughs> looking at the bottom six, he should. He should cost nothing, and he should probably play on the third line, maybe be a, the anchor to keep the fourth line afloat. I thought Eiserman had a quote today about Timoshev saying that he was weighing his options else, like throughout yeah. the league. Timoshev's yeah. the type of player who probably has uh, some higher dollar offers in the KHL. Definitely. Yeah, and that's what it seems like. The impression I get, and just uh, nothing solid here, but just like those, the mild amount of chatter surrounding Timoshev is that he's looking for a higher dollar value than maybe Eiserman's willing to pay a depth player. And Eisenman's not losing sleep over it, but he's not going to go and pay Timoshev two or three million um, when he hasn't necessarily proven much for the Red Wings. I'm not saying that's what Timoshev's ask is. It's just a hypothetical. So I'm sure they're, they, what he said to Timoshev and his agent is, look, here's what we can afford. It's short term. It's low dollar. But if you can prove yourself, then yeah, you'll move up to the third line or, or move up the lineup and then we'll pay you more. But for now, this cap, this economy, this is what we have. If you leave it, frankly it's fine like we just signed a bunch of guys off a of free agency like we're not too concerned we'd like to keep you if you want to stay let us know um Timoshev's an rfa so he only has so much control as to where he goes in the nhl um yeah can i interject with something we didn't bring up but it's moderately interesting to talk about yeah have you guys seen the stuff about george larock saying he'd fight mike tyson no is yeah, george get his ass kicked is George LaRocque suicidal? Uh, I'm trying to bring up the news article, and I saw it a bunch on Twitter as well. Why and would was... he? T- Who would want to fight Mike Tyson? Like, wow. Wow. 
George, no. <laughs> George, no. Let's have him on the show and ask him about it. If George doesn't have CTE now, fighting Mike Tyson would surely cause it. There is nothing good going to happen to his brain if and he George, does that. George was no, like he was a tough customer when he was in the NHL. Like he, that, you would, you didn't want to fight him. But Mike Tyson is like in the class of if I take one punch from this human being, I I shall die. Like level. He said George Lark was quoted of saying on one of the Ottawa um, talk sports talk shows that it's seventy five percent of the way to a deal that this will happen. Oh, this is a thing. Yeah. No, it's not. No, I don't believe it. Tyson isn't, Mike- hiding, isn't Tyson getting ready for a fight against uh, Roy Jones Jr. right now? Yeah. Why have would he seen- be even thinking about another fight? Have you seen Mike Tyson in the gym, like hitting the bag lately? Yes. It's you know terrifying. When car- you know when a cartoon, when a guy gets punched so hard, you can actually see his soul leaving his body? That would actually happen in real life. Oh, man. Um, Brad, is that the most Evan topic ever brought up on the show? No, it wasn't golf related. <laughs> Speaking uh, of which, you guys know what Monday is, right? The Masters, Masters week. Yes, Ryan. Yep. I, I know that because you tweeted about it. Yeah. I watched that video and I got chills. I'll be honest with you. I rewatched the 2015 uh, final round uh, this evening. It was magical. Door, you're such a loser, man. Mark Burnham says it was neat having a full moon on Halloween. The next time that happens, I'll be 69. Nice. And then Mark says hi, Evan. Uh, C nods. <laughs> <laughs> uh, We're so nothing s- if not predictable. Yeah, for real. I'm glad we can bring some consistency into the world. <laughs> C nod says so excited to see a great Mantha deal come out. Does anyone else just uh, freaking love his white stick he used last season? I think it looks dope. I love um, it. Yeah. It how is it only him, Pavelski, and Wenberg that use it? And I'm I'm sure I'm forgetting one person, but man, back when the what was it, the CCM RBZ came out, everybody had one. And they never really went out of style, except they went out of style. It I don't get it. It's Companies like the most just palatable version them. of of white gloves. Like I would, you like white, but you don't like white gloves, and you just get a white stick. I rocked a white stick for a couple of years. I'd do it again. Um, okay, question time. Do you think Larkin has an extra gear? Right now he flirts with a point per game, but he seems to be a little below that. We're coming into his prime years. Do you think he can hit that pace? I, he's he's about a point per game player at his peak to me. Larkin with better teammates is is comfortably a point per game player in my mind. Comfortably, yeah. He's, he's, he's not exactly an elite playmaker, but I, I think we'd see more consistency in his point totals at that. Because we've seen his point totals when... Mantha and Bertuzzi are healthy and Blashill isn't um, dicking around with the lines. So I, I think if we saw 82 games of Mantha, Larkin, Bertuzzi, we would see about 82 Larkin points. Uh, Sean Stephen Cook says, hey, boys, do you think Eisenman resigns a helm? Uh, he isn't an awful league minimum player. I would even go up to $1.2 million for two years, maybe. Of course, not knowing if he will deteriorate over the next two years, but he is a good penalty killer and works hard. Don't think Eisman is going to let him walk without at least offering him a small deal. Twitter currently is an angry place as it is. I'm not adding to it. No comment. Yeah, I can see it. Um, how Darren Helm will be 34 at the end of the season. 
it really depends on how this year shakes out. Like if any of these guys, these these free agents want like Eisman wants them back, if more are available, it depends on what prospects are making it up. It wouldn't be a a, a main prerogative of Eisman's to keep helm. I think if he does, it'll be on a one-year, very cheap, like you said, like a million-dollar um, extension for him. And just to say, you can take this, you can, can try to go elsewhere. Eisman's made it clear he wants to get younger. Um, Helm has, I, I think Helm is in a class with Glenn Denning where, yeah, maybe Helm has been overpaid a little bit, but the guy has, has, has done well in his actual role on the team. So no hard feelings towards the way he plays. So if he can maintain that and be a good penalty killer in the bottom six, I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't necessarily bet on it. Uh, La Plata Peak says anything to Lyle Richardson's prediction of Dougie Hamilton to the wings. I've never heard about that. Yeah. I tend to doubt Eisenman would. Yeah. I tend to doubt Eisenman would give him seven years, but just want to get your thoughts. Is that like. At, at Dougie Hamilton's age, he shouldn't. I really hope Eisenman does not give him seven years. Lyle Richardson Hamilton Red Wings. I, maybe it doesn't bode well that none of us have heard about this. I mean, uh, Dougie's got one year left till unrestricted free agency. That doesn't seem like an Iserman move right now for what it would cost in assets to get him. Uh, Cody Stark says, can I be the first to coin the Breeze line? Bergeron, Raymond, Zadina. Bergeron, Raymond, EE. So capital B, capital R, EE. I mean, there was... I literally just referenced the hockey stick that was called the RBZ. <laughs> I don't, I think, I don't know if people would get the RBZ though. They might just say RBZ. They would. The RBZ the it as well. I actually, now that I read it out, the breeze line makes more sense. If I read BRZ, I think breeze. More people would get the RBZ reference than you think. Yeah, I guess I'm not a, uh, an we'll equipment. have to put it up like to you. a vote. America votes. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, whatever happened to we were? Uh, what was it? We were. What was the top line going to be? The ZZ top line. Oh no, that was before Z- Zetterberg retired. Zetterberg, Zadina, whoever no, top matter. line. Yeah. yeah, Zetterberg, Zadina, and literally didn't matter because there's no one else. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Michael Barry says, "Hey guys, glad this contract got done. I was thinking, since we can't buy out a player anymore, can we do what the LA Kings did with Kovalchuk and just drop a player while paying full salary?" Hopefully, well, yeah, but you don't want to be doing that. Like, I don't think ownership is going to be fond of of paying a player to not play during a pandemic where revenue is down. Uh, hopefully, someone like Boychuk uh, with the Islanders, since they need the cap space to sign Barzell. Um, I mean, I don't think the NHLPA would be against this move. Cheers, guys, and have a good one. I don't think the league or the PA would like the precedent. The, the Kovalchuk thing was a big story when it dropped, and I don't know if the league would want to make a habit of this kind of thing. Um, this next one from Jared Firth, new patron says, Hey guys, love the content. Um, and glad to be finally supporting the show. Jared, welcome to the winged wheel podcast family. And thank you so much. Says here's a fun one. If Canada and Sweden were to meet in the world junior gold medal game, would you rather see a Raymond three point performance plus OT winner or a Canadian win? Canadian win. Canadian win. It's, it's still hockey. You're still cheering for your team. That's not that's not even a debate. Uh, I okay. I want to see a Lucas Raymond hat trick uh, minus the OT winner. Look, I I sure. would pre- we're all Canadians. We'd prefer the Canadian win, of course. That would probably be the easiest way to stomach a Canadian loss in the World Juniors is is on the back of a Raymond phenomenal performance. Let's settle for a Raymond hat trick and OT winner in the bronze medal game. 
Um, Blue says, hey, boys, I thought I'd take a break from hyperventilating, throwing up and pacing while awaiting the outcome of the election. Uh, and I'd want to throw a question your way. What would you put the percentages of the wing signing Kotkin Salo and or Setkoff before they re- lose their rights next summer? I'm assuming they'll get Petrozelli under contract while passing on hallway. As always, thanks for the fantastic uh, content. Um, I think it's pretty slim on both at this point. Kotkin Salo hasn't shown much. Setkov maybe. Um, he's always been that guy with raw potential that just hasn't hit it, but there hasn't been a ton of progression to his game to this point. So I'm not going to say it's a 0% chance for either, but uh, it's not likely. If I had to guess, maybe one, but not both. There's a glut of prospects just because of the sheer amount of times the Red Wings have picked. I think that keeps the odds against them. Those guys have to be moved out one way or another, and not every team is going to trade for replaceable contracts. Uh, Matt says, hey guys, my baseball fandom has been trailing off in recent years as teams use the eye test less and let blind saber metrics drive decisions. Obvious example, pulling Blake Snell and blowing the World Series. Ugh, that was frustrating to watch. Uh, Do you foresee advanced metrics being used more in the NHL and how do you think it will positively and maybe negatively affect the game? Um, It's already being used more. Almost every team has an analytics department. Uh, the difference between hockey and MLB, thankfully, is the analytics don't super impact the actual in-game play. It's more roster construction where it matters. Uh, we have seen it used before. Uh, one of the things that I actually commend Blashill for is he's one of the guys who, if you're losing two or three goals, the earlier you get your goalie out, the actual better it is. So we've seen Blashill pull the goalie with four or five minutes left, and objectively, that's the right call according to the analytics. So we'll see little minor tweaks like that. There are some analytics guys who are pushing to do like five forwards on a power player, five forwards and a defenseman at the end of the game, little things like that. Um, maybe we start to see top six players get a bit more minutes, a little less on the role players, stuff like that, but it's not going to dramatically change the, uh, way the game is played where it's probably going to have more uh, significant impact on the way rosters are constructed. Uh, stay fresh cheese bags of Fournier company says fine day to you gents up here in New York city. The weather has been keeping me up lots of wind and rain. Do you see any scenario where any of the new players signed end up uh, not being flipped at the deadline? Like how close to, uh, to the playoffs do the wings need to, to be, um, uh, they're not going to be close enough to the playoffs to matter. Uh, but they're not going to flip them all at the deadline. That's, uh, Nemesnikov and Stetcher signed two-year contracts, so odds are they both ride out the full season. And if they get moved, it'll be at the next deadline. But again, you look at everything as it is now. Mantha and Larkin are the only guys signed beyond two years, and they have 10 unrestricted free agents this summer. I mean, to properly ice a team next year, you gotta re-sign at least a couple of them in all likelihood. So um, I would guess half of them get traded at the deadline on the high side. I would guess a couple of them just walk in for agency and a few of them get re-signed who goes where and who gets re-signed is all going to depend on their performance this season. So I don't have a very good guess as to who, because I think guys like Glenn Denning and Helm will have more objective value at this deadline than they will to the Red Wings next year. So they're good candidates get moved. Whereas a guy like John Merrill's a good candidate 
to be extended and bring value to the Red Wings when they're hoping to turn the team into a contender relative to what he does in his age. Um, goes on to say, there also seems to be some rumblings that ladder boy chucks, unbelievable contracts might be moved. Could Stevie fetch a prize? Stay fresh cheese bags. Absolutely. He could. Lou Amarillo has not been making good decisions lately. So strike while the iron's hot. Um, and closes by saying, and we'll know he'll try to make this uh, great big nothing burger of a deal, but happy birthday to former pro elite defenseman, Ryan Hanna. I really thought I had you guys. Um, it's funny because as I was, you were answering that, Brad Everett just messaged me saying happy birthday and how'd you manage to keep it so quiet? And the answer is really, uh, uh America did most of the work for me. <laughs> Everyone's pretty distra- America and Mantha did all the work for me. So it was nice. See, um, you got, you got to do what I did this year and have your birthday fall on a day in between episodes and it never got mentioned. Well, You'll notice that our plan was to record Thursday. Before the Mantha deal, we said we were going to record Thursday. And I thought I got away with it there. Mm-hmm. And then Eiserman was like, uh, no. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, a couple more questions here. Obi-Wan Kenobi says, can someone get me in contact with Justin Abdelkader's agent? My beer league team is getting stomped 7-1 every game because my only twin, myself, uh, because only my twin, myself, and one other guy have ever skated before. We're offering him a case of Labatt Blue oh, no. per game and a 30 <laughs> rack of hams as a signing bonus. More realistically, what are some tips uh, to playing on a team that struggles to do basically everything? I've only been playing six years and I really shouldn't be a player that's relied on. Oh my Close God. your eyes? Yeah, <laughs> it depends on the league you're playing in, man. I don't know if I've ever played against a beer league team that only had three non-new players and i've played in some pretty rough tournaments um first thing get a really lose. get a really really good goalie yeah um find out the beer he likes or she likes everything to the net to like everything uh boy uh lots of beer in the parking lot after the game and get some designated drivers <laughs> that there's something else to look forward to as well pick, pick the latest time slots to play so hopefully the other team doesn't really show up and they're gassed by the end of the game um no but all, all honesty if any of those players have any kind of skill like just one thing like one guy can't skate worth shit he's john scott on the ice but he can shoot the puck Get him as many shots as possible. Like park his ass in the slot and tell him not to move. <laughs> yeah. Uh, last question here is from Adam says, geez, that contract for Mantha is just gosh darn beautiful. So pumped for a Sackick Eisman playoff round in the near future. Oh man. I can't wait until that rivalry is brought up. Cause I think that will happen. Yeah. Four years from now, uh, Red Wings, Colorado cup final, not crazy to think about. All right. Here we are saying four more years. Of Anthony Mantha. We're going to wrap up this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast. Um, we're going to thank everyone so much for tuning in. Uh, all of you who have been subscribing on Spotify, subscribing on iTunes, uh, or wherever you got your podcasts, the ratings you guys have been leaving us, I, I can't tell you how much that helps, especially on Apple Podcasts slash iTunes slash whatever it's called. Um, our name level Patreon sponsors. These are the uh, the people behind the show. Arjun Shanker, Kyle, brand new name level sponsor. R.A., Brendan Lee, Zach Spring, Citizen High Five, 
Cody Stark, Greach, Jeremiah Dobo, Jake Kiefer, Ryan Hanna Brand, Wings and Pizza, Andrew Bohan, Scott Martin, Jacob Turner, Matt McKay, Craig Kibble, Brandon M., Matthew M. Rice, Luke Johnson, Kaylin Wood, Hassam Al-Kassem, Charlie Elkins, Hana Lee, Josh Yelton, another former junior goalie turned golfer, Trevor Pevavar, Evans Bingo Card, Michael Alsante, Ashley Van Conant, Connor Leighton, Danny Jr., Matthew Keeler, Rob Rasso, Simon Anderson, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, a Fournier Company, Antonio Gracias, John Evans, Quaz, and Stan Olson. Thank you all so much. We will see you on Sunday. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.